Hello again, this is Pastor Eric Hubbard, thanking you for joining us again on Journeys in Grace. And today we're going to talk about the rapture and the teachings in, uh, in the New Testament that Jesus taught us about, and the disciples also taught us, about the catching away of the church. And that's a simple definition of the rapture is the catching away of the church or when Jesus comes back to receive his church up into glory. And we're going to start today in the book of John, uh, St. John 14, chapter 1, where Christ begins his teaching and talking to his disciples about not only him leaving the earth, but also preparing for them, or for us rather, when we come to heaven and, and, uh, in, a, in a future time. So St. John 14, chapter, verse 1, and it reads, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would not have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you into myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And as Jesus began to teach teach the disciples here in the 14th chapter, he began to talk to them about a place in heaven. Heaven is the place. And it is a place for those who, uh, who have submitted themselves to Christ, who've, who've received Jesus. And that's what we must do. We must receive his forgiveness, receive his love, receive his blessings. For the scripture says, and a scripture that I've always I've constantly uh, reminded us all of is that uh, the scripture says that he's given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. He's given us all things, not only things that uh, pertain to this life. And we're talking about our salvation, our hope, our love, our joy. But also, in salvation, you'll find that there's prosperity. Not only not just prosperity, and we're talking about money, but prosperity in health, prosperity in peace, prosperity in relationships, prosperity in uh, our very minds and, and, and for our children. And when we talk about prosperity, many people are turned off and say, oh, they're just another money preacher, another money church. But uh, as the scripture says, money answers all problems. And when you're talking about earthly things, money answers all problems. If you have a lack of education, you have enough money, you can either either get teachers who can teach you or hire someone who knows what, what you need to uh, have taken care of. You can hire, you, know, you may not know the law, but you can hire the best lawyer. You may not uh, know how to build a house, but you can uh, you can hire the best architect. You know, if you, you may have need a surgery that no one else can do, but you can, if you got the money and you have the uh, 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 wherewithal to find the best doctor, you can hire that doctor. So money does answer, has, is an answer to all problems. And I'm talking about natural problems in the earth. But going back to what our subject today is, that Jesus has established a place for us now. And can you imagine something that he's building, had been building on for 2,000 years? He said, I'll go prepare to prepare a place for you. And I don't know how long it's taken Jesus to build this. He might have finished it as soon as he got back to heaven. I don't know. But what I do know, he says, I go to prepare. And one thing we know about God, he is faithful. So, uh, so the first thing is, what is the rapture? The rapture is when Jesus comes back to earth. And takes back his children, takes back his church to be with him. 
Another thing uh, we can talk about today is what scriptures are there that speak about the rapture or the tickets and way of the church? For there are some people, you know, there, there are several different uh, thoughts on the rapture. There are some to say that, uh, or the catching away of the church. Um, rapture is not a uh, word or a, a uh, uh, word that you'll find in the English Bible or in the uh, uh, King James Bible, but it's, it's uh, uh, just like Trinity. Trinity is not something that you will find, a word you'll find in the Bible, but it's, it encapsulates or it captures what the, uh, the tripartite or three-part uh, God of being Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They're not three gods, but there's a triune God. One God, three persons. So when we talk about rapture, no, rapture is not found in the scripture, but it captures what uh, Jesus said here in the 14th chapter, what Paul wrote about in the 4th and 5th chapter of, uh, of Thessalonians, and even also Peter spoke on it, and even in Revelation. So, um, we're not just I'm not just making up a word, but this is a common phrase known in our current time of Jesus coming back and, and taking his church back to heaven with him. So let's go now to 1 Thessalonians, the fourth chapter. And we're going to read what Apostle Paul had to say about uh, the, the home that Jesus is preparing for, for his beloved. 1 Thessalonians, fourth chapter. We're going to start reading at the 13th verse. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13. And it reads, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not as others which have no hope. The lost man, or uh, the person that doesn't know Christ, is lost. I was lost. If you don't know Christ today, you are lost because we. I can remember a time when I didn't have a relationship with God because uh, I didn't grow up in church. My family, uh, uh, my grandmother went, my mother and my, daughter, my sister went, but I wasn't a churchgoer. My dad and I, our church was at the altar of the NFL on Sundays, baseball on the, on, 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 on the weekends, uh, football on, on Saturdays, and, and things of that nature. But we, I wasn't a churchgoer. I, wasn't a, uh, I didn't have a relationship because we all know that going to church doesn't save you. But I not only didn't know the Lord, I wasn't going to church to find him. And uh, I wasn't an enemy of God. However, I neither was I a friend. But thank God for his grace and thank God for his love. But we know that the ever-loving God is always reaching out for his children so that he can give us the best. And I believe that's a thought that I, I pray and I hope that of anything that you get from the teaching that I give and that I offer up to you is that God loves you. That is one of the most important things that for the believer, not only for the lost man to know that Christ loves him, but that the believers know. Because many times we get sidetracked and, and when we error, when we slip, when we miss, when we whatever, the, however we manage to miss the mark, we miss the mark. And we believe that, oh, God doesn't love me because I'm not performing. But God so loved before we knew how to love. He loved us. And before we became a believer, Jesus was preparing a place by faith because he knew love was going to bring us in. Just what he said. He said, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. Meaning, you didn't choose God. You didn't find God. I didn't find God. He found me. And because he found me and shared his love with me, 
I'm saved today. And these are the people, we are the people, those who believe in Jesus Christ. No, there's not another way to God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the light. If any man comes up any other way, he's a thief and robber. So what is, what is he saying? That's kind of plain to me. But to make it even plainer, plainer, if you come without Christ, if you present yourself without Christ as being your mediator, without the blood of Jesus covering you, that blood that he shed on Calvary, if you are not covered, you are not good enough. I don't care how moral you are, how many good works you do. I don't care how much money you gave. I don't care how many how many times you went to church. You could live in the church and been there uh, morning, noon, and night. You could give your body to be burned, uh, as First uh, Corinthians thirteen says. You can do all these great sacrifices, but if you don't have the love of God shed abroad in your heart by having a relationship with Jesus Christ, all of it is vain. So, First Thessalonians four. Uh, 4.13 said, But I will not have you ignorant to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not. Paul said, Don't be sorry. Don't, don't let your heart be filled with sorrow and, and, and be, be uh, teary-eyed about those who have gone on, even as others which have no hope. For we, 14th verse says, For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Even so, them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him? At the second coming of Christ, Jesus is not only coming back to get his church, which is alive, but he's also coming back to get the, 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 the saints, the believers who've gone on before us. No matter how long ago they die, if they died in Christ, when Jesus comes back again, they will be uh, resurrected from the grave and we shall meet them in the air and go on to be with God. 15th verse says, for this we say unto you by the word of the Lord. Paul says, I have permission. I'm speaking a word from God. That we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. In other words, we're not going to take their place. They have a right to, although they don't own, they have a right to heaven and to go and, and, and they're going to meet God first because they died first. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Verse 17 said, Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the cloud to meet the Lord in the air, and so ever be with the Lord. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that a, 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 that's going to be a day of all days. That would be a mark in eternity when we can look back and say, I remember what it felt like to fly without wings. I remember what it felt like to, to, to take off from the earth without a, without a plane, without a jetpack. I didn't, wasn't slung up in the air, but I was caught up. That's what that word rapture comes from, caught up to meet him in the air. Let's move on to the uh, fifth verse, fifth chapter rather. First Thessalonians, next chapter, verse five, chapter one. Now Paul begins to say, but of the times and the seasons. In other words, when is it going to happen? Paul says, of the times of the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. Even in their day, 
when they saw all the things. They lived in the time of the Romans where uh, many of the, the, the evils that we see in our day also was in their day. All the things that we see in our society where people did as they, anything that, as the old school would say, anything that they were big and bad enough to do, they did. There was slavery in that day. They were, they were, uh, all races were enslaved by the Romans. They didn't care what color you were. They didn't care uh, uh, whether you were a former king or a former prince or a former whatever. If they invaded your land and conquered it and you had the nerve to resist them, they enslaved that nation. They enslaved that city. They enslaved that country. They enslaved that, um, uh, that group of people because they were all about conquering and occupying and taking over. And this is the same thing that the enemy has done to this earth. But Jesus came back and he gave us the power and authority to take back what Satan had took from Adam. Jesus gave us the, not only their power, but the authority to do it. And command that devil to loose my thing. Give me back what God is. I demand. We got to put a demand on receiving the things that God has given us by grace. We got to receive them by faith. So that first and second verse says, by the time and the season, brethren, you have no need. Paul said, you're already aware that I write unto you. For, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes when? As a thief in the night. When a thief comes, you don't know it. You don't, you don't realize. That's why, there's a, uh, that's why there's two teachings about um, the coming of the Lord. I personally believe. This is again, I, as often as it's his first day, I personally believe there's going to be there's going to be a coming of the Lord where Jesus is going to come and take his church back and the world won't realize it. The lost man won't realize it. He'll realize that the people are gone. But there also will be a time when he comes back to, to where he will come to rule and reign in Jerusalem. But that's going to be a terrible time in the in the years of tribulation. And we're going to read some of those things where uh, if you read the book of Revelation and, and some of the things we're going to read in the book of Matthew 24, how it's going to be a horrible time to be on the earth. It talks about the pestilence, the earthquakes, the, uh, 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 the famine, the, uh, when, the mark, when, the, when the beast comes and when Satan is loosed on the earth. It's going to be a terrible time to be living. And especially without the grace and the love of God covering and covering the earth. Jesus said the church is the salt of the earth. That's why I believe the rapture will take away the church. Because we are here, uh, we are holding back the evil. The church is. The blood-bought, faithful believers of God who are standing, believing God and declaring the word of God. It's love that keeps back evil. It's love that, 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 that's holding back and, and not only holds back, but conquers the darkness. Light always conquers darkness. Just one flicker of a match. It can be in the, in the darkest, moonless night. If you got a match, darkness flees around that match. Everywhere that light, everywhere that match shines, darkness moves away. And this is what the believer uh, does. See, Satan wants us to believe that he is. That he is the mighty one. That he is, the Bible calls him, uh, uh, he, he roars like a lion. He's like a roaring lion. It didn't say he was a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. It didn't say he would devour. It says that he may, it, he devours those who will give up their authority and allow him to devour them. 
But third verse says, For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them, as a travail upon a woman with a child, and they shall not escape. There's going to come a day when the world is going to rock and roll like a drunken man. There's going to come a time when the scripture says, if you, if you take the time to read the book of Revelation, many people are afraid to read it. But if you're a believer, Revelation is, is triumph for the believer. Because we win. You look in the 22nd verse, 22nd chapter of Revelation, you'll see at the end of Revelation, as you read from chapter 1 through 22, you'll read how Satan not only is bound for a thousand years, but in the end he's thrown into a lake of, lake of fire with all of his demon, demonic angels. Even death itself and hell and the grave are thrown into the lake of fire. We win. That we are the those who are faith in Jesus Christ and who have received him as Lord and as Savior. So let's go now and read over in the book of St. John. I'm sorry, St. Saint, uh, Saint Matthew. We're going to read, go to the 24th chapter, St. Matthew 24. And we're going to start reading around the fourth, third verse, St. Matthew 24, verse number three. And we're going to read about some of the things that gonna, um, that, that's going to happen in the last day. And again, the Bible talks about as, as, as they spoke prophetically in Habakkuk and, and other uh, some of the there are some of them are called the minor prophets. When you read Daniel and jo, uh, Joel and and and, and Habakkuk and, and Zechariah and Zephaniah and and all of the uh, uh, they call them minor prophets. They're not minor because every word of God is major when it's when it's preached on the anointing. So here in Saint Matthew, chapter twenty-four, four, verse number three, third verse. And as Jesus sat upon, I'm, I'm inserting Jesus, as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when these things be. In other words, they want to know, Lord, we hear you talking about all the disruption and chaos that's going to come upon the earth. Upon the earth. Tell us, Lord, when is this going to happen? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? They wanted to know, Lord, what's going to happen? Even in their day, they were saying, Lord, you, the things you're talking about, we want to be ready. And I believe that every, if you are a believer and you are blood, uh, blood washed, you, in other words, you, if you're a believer, you are blood washed. Because Jesus stands before you. Whenever God looks at you, he sees the blood. That's why we declare grace so, I try to declare grace so soundly and so, so strongly because grace is not a license to sin. But grace is uh, uh, is the permission to live above sin. It's to come out to wherever we find ourselves bound, or wherever we find ourselves uh, in error, or wherever we find ourselves missing the mark. Grace is that which which captures, which has captured our heart. And as Jesus told Paul in the book of Second Corinthians, twelfth uh, chapter, verse nine, he says, "My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in thy weakness." And Paul said, most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my weaknesses. For when I am weak, then I am strong. What was Paul said? Anywhere that I see myself infirm, if I'll stand by faith, I'll be strong. Because why? The strength of God. Wouldn't you rather have Christ fighting than you? Any day, every day, 24-7, 365 days a year. I would rather have Jesus fighting my battle than me. Now, the fourth verse. Chapter 24, verse 4. 
And Jesus said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. In our day, look at all the deception that's going on in this earth. The scripture says that in the last days, they're going to call good evil and evil good. Now, for a young lady to say that uh, she's, she's been chased, she's kept herself and hadn't known a man, she's looked like, a, like an oddball. For a young man and a young woman to say, that, you know what, we're going we're gonna, to uh, uh, withhold ourselves from each other until we're married, you look like, like a fool. When I told others that, you know what, my wife and I, we, know, we didn't know ourselves, we didn't know each other uh, sexually before we got married. Oh, my God. They laughed and laughed, and I looked at them like, I'm, I'm, I didn't laugh at them, but I'm like, you don't want to have anybody as a fool as you. All the diseases, all of the things that you're subjecting yourself, and I'm not talking about, you know, if, if you don't know God, we all are subject to doing anything. And I'll never put myself up holier than anybody, because I recognize the Bible says that all of sin comes short of the glory of God. We all missed the mark before we became believers, and we missed it, and we will miss it afterwards. So I'm not trying to hold myself up, but we all should have a stand in Christ that says, you know what? I would rather be looked at as a fool. For that's what Paul said. I am a fool for Christ. Why? Because if it means I have to lower myself to live like Satan himself, I choose Christ. Laugh if you choose. But we will see who's laughing in the end. Matthew went on to say in the fifth verse, For many shall come in my name, saying, I'm Christ, and shall deceive many. We can just think of, just to, just to think of the, over the last 10 years of the mass suicides from Jim Jones in, in, in Guyana in the 90s, from David Koresh in the, in the uh, Jim Jones in the 80s, David Koresh in the, uh, in, in the, uh, in the 90s, and all those people were burned, the people who were waiting on Haley Bop, the, the comet came by, all of them put on all black and put on uh, uh, Nike tennis shoes and poison themselves and because they thought they were going to go and catch that comet. My Lord, my God, how foolish. But Jesus said, many will come and say, I'm Christ. I'm told that even now there's a man that comes over every Sunday uh, out, in, out in uh Colorado. He calls it the Jesus Christ show. And people call in. And he quotes out of the Bible talking about how he, all the miracles that he did. And this is hearsay on my part. So uh, actually forgive me for that because I don't know. I haven't heard it myself. But the people that have reported to me, I trust them. But this man talks as though he's Christ himself. And people call in to the Jesus Christ show. Oh my. And the sixth verse says, and you shall hear of wars and rumors of war. See that ye be not troubled. For all these things come to pass. But Jesus said, the end's not yet. He said, for nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines, pestilence, earthquakes, and divers are in many places. And Jesus said what in the 8th verse? And these are the beginnings of sorrows. All these things are coming on the earth. I have been on the earth, are coming on the earth, and Jesus said, this is just the beginning. The eighth verse says, these are the beginnings of sorrows. Why would anyone want to live this life without Christ? Especially when God is pulling and tugging at their heart or at your heart when you know that there's something missing. 
I can give a testimony of myself when I was in my teenage years and I got to know Christ. The greatest decision that I've ever made was to receive the blessed Jesus Savior when he, when he revealed himself to me. But he didn't just do it one he'd do it several times. Because my, my, my thought was to live the life my way. I want to do everything my way. And I thought about, you know, you think about all the things you've got to give up to become a Christian. But I didn't know what I was going to gain. Where I didn't have peace, he gave me peace. I would wander the streets at night, way after midnight, one and two, just one and two in the morning, by myself. Parents didn't know my mom and dad and everybody was asleep, but I'd just be up walking down those country roads or out in front of the house. Sitting up, looking at the sky, wondering, why am I here? What am I doing? All those thoughts came. What, what, what's the use? You know, there came times when I remember as a little boy that, that, that thoughts came, depressing thoughts of, why don't you kill yourself? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? All those things came because Satan wanted to take me out. Just like he wants to do you. You may not have depression. You may not have uh, depressing thoughts or on suicidal thoughts. But Satan comes at all of us. But I want to tell you. The king of kings. And the lord of lords. Is available to give you. A deliverance. That you, and a peace that you never knew. It's a love that you never had before. A peace that you never felt before. He's here. To give you not only life. But eternal life. For Paul said if. In this life only, I have hope, then I'm a man most miserable. What he was saying was, if this is what I see, if this is all there is, he said, I'm a miserable man. But he realized, we have the blessed hope. And that hope is, Jesus is coming back for me. But we don't live, uh, we don't uh, only focus on tomorrow in heaven. Because the believer has, I've, I have heaven now. Jesus told me, pray. That uh, as it is in heaven, so let it be on earth. I can live heaven down here. Some people are living hell down here. They're not only going there, but they're living it. Why? Because they refuse. It's one thing not to know. Some people, they still haven't heard the gospel message. That message that Christ loved them. That Jesus is here for them. It's not about how good you are. and It's not about uh, uh, what you've got to do to be saved. The only thing you need to be saved is to receive Christ. But it's another thing not to know it. Not to know. Not to know that Jesus loves you. No matter how bad you are. You could be in the, in the pit of the prison. Getting ready to be executed. If you could hear. If you hear this message. Jesus is available to save you. You could be in the worst drug house. You could be high on every drug known to man. You could be in five, stage five cancer. You could be in the worst marriage there is on the earth. You could be at the brink of starving to death. But if you receive Christ, Jesus is the answer. You say, what man? How is Jesus going? Jesus, he, he makes a way out of no way. He fed 5,000 with two fish and five loaves of bread. He fed me. I came to Atlanta with $125. In, two, in less than two weeks, I had nothing. 
I lived in the back of a house in a barn for a year and a half. No heat, no water, but by the grace of God and the man of God that allowed me to have a place to stay, making $2.25 an hour with, with uh, two, college, two college degrees, two college majors, rather, with my degree. But God made a way. And if he made a way for me, he'll make a way for you. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love. I pray for those who are here this broadcast. They will receive it by faith. And know, and you will, I pray that they will receive the love that I know you have for them. We pray, Lord, today we receive you as Lord and Savior. Lord, we receive your forgiveness of sin and the blood which covers us even now. And now, Lord, as we lay our life and give our hearts to you, we believe you receive us by faith and we are saved and we are received into the kingdom of God. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.